Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore scripture and delve into the Word of God. I'm so excited about this sermon series we've been preaching for the last couple of weeks. And we are near the end of this series and there's something special happening this week. Now this week, specifically from tomorrow, Monday until Sunday is going to be a week of prayer for our families. Amen. It's a week of prayer. We want to dedicate our families to God. Because family health not only comes by hearing the word of God and believing the word of God, but also we got to hit our knees and raise our hands to God and invite the presence of God in our families. And He alone will bring health to our families. The prayer guide is available. It's on our social media platforms. It is on our digital app. Please be a part of this prayer a week in your families, at your place of work. Let's dedicate our families to God in prayer. I believe that the best days of our families are ahead. Let's pray. Now, Father, I thank you for this very moment where we get to gather around your name and around your word. Your word is just not words on paper. Your word is life. Your word is alive. You said heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. I'm praying in this very moment, may the entrance of your word in our hearts bring life. In Jesus' name I do pray and everybody say it big. Amen. Amen. Now, as the Botoro Church leadership, our prayer for you is that you'd experience health in all of your families every single day, every one of you. We want health in your families. And the message you've been preaching for the last couple of weeks are available online for you to go and listen to them again, apply the principles that are in them. And we believe as you apply the Word of God, you are going to see health come back to every area of your family. And today... Specifically, we are going to be talking about experiencing freedom from bondage. Now, when I was growing up as a little boy in my village or my ancestral home up country, I used to hear the elders describe some families in the neighborhood. And they would say, family X, they are witches family why they are adulterers and then that family x they are thieves please never marry from that family because you are going to bring theft into our clan now what were they saying they were describing different kind of families by the traits they had observed in their lives over a long period of time. They were saying these families are known by a certain habit, a pattern that has been practiced from one generation to the next. And this shows us that you can be living in bondage as a family and you can think actually it's okay. And today, our prayer is that you can invite Jesus into your family and experience freedom because Jesus' plan is not for you to be bound by Satan. He wants you to experience freedom in every area of your life. 
freedom from bondage. So what is bondage? Bondage is simply a state of being a slave. It's a state of being captive by something. Bondage is also a state of being oppressed by Satan through certain sinful behaviors or practices or unpleasant events. It is a pattern, a trend of sinful behavior that controls your life or your family life. And some of them could be like addictions. You've observed a certain pattern of addiction in your grandparents' generation, your parents' generation, your generation. Could be alcoholism, polygamy, suicide, depression, barrenness. Now some of them are, could be because of the direct sin but others could be because somebody down the road did something and opened the door for the enemy, for Satan to have his way in your family. Again, remember, God's desire is that you will experience freedom from bondage. So a bondage is not just any unpleasant happening. For example, today you could have been coming and you're parking right here and somebody knocked your door. Oh, I bind you, Satan. That's not a bondage. Some of you had to be shaken out of bed because you're lazy. Let's go to church. You can't say that person is bound by sleep. <laughs> not everything is, but certain things that a bondage is. You see a pattern over a long period of time to tell you there's something not right in this aspect of my life. That is a bondage. So what leads to bondage? If I could summarize it and just bring it to one word, how does bondage come to all of us? It is through the three-letter word, it's called sin. Now, breaking news, we were born into this world bound to sin. But we are born again into freedom through Jesus Christ, amen. That's the good news. So sin, but even when we are born again, if we allow sin into our lives, it becomes the entry point that Satan is going to use to bring bondage and oppression into your family. The Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26-27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Don't give him an opportunity to come into your house. You see, you are the house of the Lord that we talked about being filled by God. When you sin, it's like you've opened a window. And let me tell you, if you live in Uganda and your house is not locked, guess what's going to happen? Thieves are going to come and break in and steal from you. And guess what the Bible says of Satan? He is a thief. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So when you open that door, he comes in. That's it there for us to really understand how we get into bondage, but also how we can overcome bondage. I want to use an Old Testament story that I believe can really give us a picture on how we can find freedom. And it's found in Judges chapter 10. And this is a story of Israel in the promised land. And this is what the Judges says from verse 6. Again, that is bondage right there. Again, it was a pattern. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. 
They served the Baals, the Asterisks, and the gods of Aram, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. And because the Israelites forsook the Lord and no longer served him, he became angry with them. He sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites, who that year shattered and crushed them. For 18 years, they oppressed all the Israelites from the east side of the Jordan and Gilead to the land of the Amorites. The Ammonites also crossed the Jordan to fight against Judah, Benjamin, Ephraim. Israel was in great distress. They were in bondage right there. Then, verse number 10, Israel cried out to the Lord, We have sinned against you, forsaking our God and serving the Baals. The Lord replied, when the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonians, the Amalekites, the Moabites oppressed you and you cried out to me for help, did I not save you from their hands? But you have forsaken me and served other gods so I will no longer save you. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them save you when you are in trouble. But the Israelites said to the Lord, we have sinned. It is too bad. Do with us whatever you wish best, but please rescue us now. And guess what they did in verse 16? They got rid of the foreign gods among them and served the Lord, and he could bear Israel's misery no longer. He had their cry. And then in chapter 11, the last two, uh, verse 32 and verse 33, then Jephthah, who was a judge, a man, was anointed by the Lord. And the end of the story is, Israel was set free when they cried out to the Lord. Amen. So, the two things, two pictures I want us to have in our mind. Israel in Egypt, Israel in the promised land. When they were in Egypt, they were not a nation. They lived as slaves. They were bound. Israel in Egypt is similar to all of us before we got born again. We were in bondage. The kingdom of darkness ruled over us. We were not free to do what we wanted to do. We sinned because we are sinners. No kind of rehabilitation program could Take the sin away from us because by nature we are sinners. That is Egypt. And then when God delivers them from Egypt, that is a picture of salvation of every person. Because he did it not because they cried, because they were good. He did it because God was gracious and he was good and he wanted to keep his promise to Abraham. And our salvation is not because you are a good person. None of us deserves to be saved, but God is rich in mercy. And by his grace, we are saved through our faith. It is not of ourselves that we can boast. And so Egypt into the promised land is a picture of our salvation. Now, when the Israelites get into the promised land, is also a picture of our Christianity. Now, watch what happens. God delivered them from Egypt to himself, not to the promised land. 
They didn't get it right. They thought actually the destination was a place. The destination was a person, God. When they got into the promised land, what happened? God told them, if you live by my ways, if you obey me, if you do everything I've said, you are going to be protected. You are going to be blessed. In fact, I'm going to bless you so much that the nations around the world are going to come and find out what is happening so they can know there's a God of Israel. So they too can worship the God of Israel. That was God's intent in the promised land. The same is true for us in salvation. God's desire is he has saved us not for heaven. He has saved us to himself. If you don't enjoy Jesus right now, you want to enjoy him in heaven. We are saved to a relationship with the person, not to a place. And what happens is, as we live our Christian lives, we think now, I have a passport to heaven, let me do whatever I want, and then you indulge in the impulses of the flesh. You open the door, and then you are bound by Satan. Because sin is an open door to bondage. That's what happened to the Israelites. That happens to all of us. Just because you are born again does not guarantee complete freedom without obedience to the one who has saved you. Now, as long as the Israelites were obedient, let me tell you, they were blessed. But they got comfortable and they said, oh, I would love those ladies. They look nice. The grass is greener on the other side. And then God is a gentleman. He said, okay, you go. He allowed them. They went. And guess what? If you are not under the authority of God, you are under the authority of Satan. There's no middle ground, friends. And what happened? The things that looked good from far, they became snares to them. They were oppressed. But thank God, when we cry out to him, he never points fingers. He is our savior because he came to set the captives free. So you could be in this place and maybe you have observed some patterns in your family, in your life. You are a Christian. The first place to go is, where is the open door in my life? Where is the open door in my family? Where is the open door in my family line? Because somebody before you could have just made some covenants and you are covenanted. So how do we get into bondage? Opening the door for Satan. He takes advantage of that open door. And when he comes in, he wants to master you hundred percent. But you know what? The good news is this. First John chapter 3 verse 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy that devil's works. Jesus came to set the captives free and you are a candidate for the freedom that Jesus purchased for us on the cross. Come on, give him an amen right now. That is the freedom we're talking about today. And so how can you practically experience freedom in your life, in your family? The first thing you must do is repent. And this is a beautiful word. In fact, let me say this. Christianity is a life of repentance. 
The way I got into Christianity is the way I sustain my Christianity. I came into Christianity by acknowledging that I'm broken. I am a sinner. I am wretched. I need a savior. And every day I must recognize that there are opportunities for me to be bound by sin. I must rely on Jesus each and every day. So repentance is acknowledging something is wrong. That's the first thing in repentance. So if you don't acknowledge anything that is wrong, you cannot be set free. It's kind of like when you go to a doctor, they diagnose, they look for the cause so that they can give you a solution. Repentance is actually the place we say, you know what? There is bondage in my family. There's sexual immorality in my family. There's alcoholism in my family. Our family, we are very suicidal. Where is that coming from? There is barrenness that has been coming from one generation to the next. You acknowledge. Now, not only do you acknowledge, then you turn to God. There is knowing you're a sinner and saying that doesn't help you. You must go to the one who has the power to save you and his name is Jesus. You acknowledge and then turn to Jesus and then you cry, God, here I am. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. There is something going on in our family. Come and save us. And then you ask for forgiveness. Because the only way sin is, forgiven, is dealt with is through forgiveness. It's the blood of Jesus. So acknowledge. Turn to Jesus and ask for, ask for forgiveness. And then renounce. Renounce everything that you have done that is wrong. Make a fresh commitment to serve the Lord. The Israelites, the Bible says, they put away their foreign gods. They threw them away. That shows you have truly turned away from your evil ways and you want to follow Jesus every day of your life. You know, some of us in Africa, we are given certain things we tie around our waist. They call them gods. Let me tell you this. If you carry your God, your God is too small. Let me tell you, my God carries me. So throw them away. Throw them away. Some of you have stolen property. And we're having wrangles and wrangles and wrangles. There's no peace in your family. Give it back. Some of you have exposed your minds and every part of who you are to illicit stuff. And you're wondering, why is there sexual immorality? Listen to what you listen to. Some of us, we just need to quit smartphones because we are not smart. We are bound. Some of us have televisions in every room. Come on, quit television. There's nobody who has ever died by not watching television. <laughs> Renounce. That's repentance. You must acknowledge something is wrong. Turn to God for salvation. And then renounce and say, you are away with these old things that are keeping me bound. I'm making a fresh commitment to serve you, Jesus. That's repentance, repentance. Let the wicked forsake their ways, the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God he will freely pardon, repent and turn to God. The second thing we must do is this, 
after acknowledging and turning to Jesus and asking for forgiveness and throwing everything away, we make a fresh committee and we submit ourselves to God fully. Submission is being under the authority of somebody. It's allowing somebody to have leadership over your life. That is submission. It is choosing to obey what they say to you. It is choosing to walk in the ways that prescribe for you. And let me tell you, there is no person who is for you than God. Let me tell you, you are one of your worst enemies. Jesus is for you. Submission to him is going to bring total freedom in your life. You see, I learned a long time ago that true freedom, true freedom in our Christian living only comes when we are under the authority of Jesus Christ. No wonder the Apostle John says, his commands are not burdensome. Some of us, we look at the word of God like, you know, you're putting limitations. Some of you need limitations because you are not wise. You are foolish. You don't know what is good for you. You need them. I cannot allow my 11-year-old son to get into the car. Now he's saying, Daddy, you are burdensome. No, he is a fool. He has to grow up and show that actually understands the rules of driving a car. So the rules are not burdensome. The rules are for your good. The rules are for your freedom. The rules are for your protection. Your rules are for your flourishing. So the rules of the Lord are not for limitation. Actually, they are for your freedom. So submit yourselves to God. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Submit. Let God be the authority of, of your life. And when you are submitted, let me tell you, you are secure. You are at peace because, you know, there is somebody who is stronger than me. You know what I sing the song earlier? The battle belongs to the Lord. Let me tell you, we cannot fight the devil in our own strength. Can I tell you, the devil has been around more than you've been around? Give him some respect. Yeah. One of the ways of winning in sports, you have to respect your opponent. It's not about fearing them. Respecting them is understanding what has made them who they are. And then you get a strategy. But let me tell you, a strategy is submission to the one who is bigger than the enemy, who is bigger than the devil. It is Jesus over our families. It's Jesus over our finances. It's Jesus over our sexuality. It's Jesus over every part of our lives. And when you're submitted, you will experience freedom in Jesus' name. Submit. It's a beautiful word. Submit. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, and lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways. Submit. And he will make the crooked paths straight. So live under the authority of God. It means obey God's word in simple terms. And then you're going to have freedom. Sometimes my kids, they want to be trusted beyond the trust they have earned. And you know what I tell them? You don't have the freedom to do that because you have not yet grown at a certain level. I can't trust you. First, obey me in the simple things, then I can trust you in the other things. Submit to me in order for you to experience more freedom 
and more responsibility in your life. And then lastly, which flows from the previous one, resist the devil. From the same verse. Submit yourselves, then resist. The order is important. You cannot resist before submitting. I'll give you a story. In the book of Acts, there's a story of certain sons, I don't know how many they were, of a priest called Sceva. They saw Paul the apostle performing miracles, casting out devils from people who are oppressed. And I think they were impressed, like, my goodness, this is powerful, it feels great. And then they decided, they found a guy who was oppressed by the demons, and they're like, oh, it's time, showtime. I think they're like, oh, let's do it. In the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, come out. And the guy turned around and said, huh? In the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, come out. I said, Jesus, we know. Paul, we know. Who are you? Yeah! <laughs> Jackie Chan moves. The Bible says that demon-possessed man beat them. They went bleeding without their clothes. They were not submitted. Resisting the enemy depends on you being backed up by somebody who is stronger than you. Submit and then resist the devil and take your stand against Satan. In the book of Ephesians, Paul says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He's speaking to Christians. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against, resist the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and resist the enemy. Stand from them. Put on that belt of truth. If there's truth that you know that brings freedom in your life, amen. Then put on that breastplate of righteousness. Your righteousness cannot stand against the devil, but his righteousness on your behalf can conquer the enemy in Jesus' name. And then get your feet, you know, fitted with the redness that comes from the gospel of peace. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, having been justified by faith, we have peace. You see, the enemy always wants to remind you of your past mistakes, but your responsibility is to remind you, him, about the victory that Jesus got for us on the cross. And that brings peace in your walk with the Lord. And then take up the shield of faith. Trust God. Trust what the Bible says, not what the world says. And that's how you extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then put on the helmet of salvation. Protect that mind with the word of God. And then finally talk about the sword of the spirit. It is the word of God in your mouth that is going to defeat the enemy. Reinhard Bonnke said this, the late Reinhard Bonnke, that God's word in your mouth is equal to God's word in his mouth. We speak the word of God. And then verse 18, he says, and pray. Everybody say pray. Pray in the spirit, led by the spirit in all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray. And I believe this is the real deal I want to just end with today. How do we fight and resist the enemy? 
Yes, we must repent. We must submit to God. But resistance, let me tell you, comes when you know you are backed up. You see, for us as Christians, our prayer tactics are different. We just go on our knees and raise our hands. In movies, when you see soldiers doing this, it is defeat. But for us as Christians, when you're on your knees with your hands raised, it means that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus because greater is he that is in you than the enemy that is in the world. That means heaven backs you up. The battle is the Lord's and the victory is yours. Some hoping chariots. But we will trust in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We win when we hit our knees to the floor. Lift our hands to the only one who can save us. David said, I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? And my help comes from the Lord. Come on, give him praise right now. Our help comes from the Lord. He's our deliverer, our healer, our savior, our protector. He is our lover, sustainer. Everything I help comes from the Lord. I want us to pray at this very moment. Take a moment and pray. I'm going to ask us to stand up for a second. Everybody, let's stand up. I believe as I preach today, Holy Spirit has been talking to you, convicting you, not as guilty, but showing you areas that you need to surrender to God. You've seen some open doors, certain things that you have done, some of them ignorantly, some of them willfully. You've seen certain patterns in your family, and you know this is not right. It's time for us to close those doors and allow Jesus to bring freedom into our lives. For the next one minute, I would like you to respond to God's word according to what God has impressed upon your heart. Come on. Like the Israelites, when they were oppressed, they didn't keep quiet. They cried out to God. Come on, cry out right now in Jesus' name. Cry out for deliverance. Cry out for freedom. Cry out for... Come on, cry out right now on behalf of your family. On your very own behalf, you could be in this place and you are struggling with addiction right now. Come on, cry out. He is our savior. He is a deliverer. He is your freedom. Jesus is everything. Cry out. Cry out. Call on him. Call on his name. Ask in Jesus' name. And now begin to just speak the word of God concerning your situation. Come on, pray in the name of Jesus, but also using the word of God, the sword of the Spirit. Declare freedom in that area of your life right now. Use the word of God. It's the sword of the Spirit. It is the only offensive weapon in the armor. Come on, go ahead and just in the name of Jesus, speak that word of freedom in your marriage. In your life, there's nothing impossible with Jesus. So Jesus, we come before you today, our hands lifted up. 
in complete and total surrender we acknowledge that we have sinned that we are broken some of us have willfully sinned and turned out from you today we return we come back to you and we acknowledge our shortcomings and we ask you to forgive us Forgive us as individuals. Forgive us as families, oh God. We turn to you and today we renounce every work of the enemy, every practice that is of the enemy, everything of this world that we've been married to, God, today we renounce it. Oh Jesus, we invite your presence into our lives. We declare that you are the Lord of our lives. We declare that you are the Lord of our families. You are the Lord of our marriages. You are the Lord of our children. You are the Lord of every situation in the name of Jesus. Father, we address every kind of pattern in our families, barrenness. We say no to you in the name of Jesus. Oh, suicide, in the name, we say no to suicide. With long life, will you satisfy us in the name of Jesus? We say no to depression because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Oh, we say no to fear, perpetual fear. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. We receive our freedom right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you. Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So Holy Spirit, fill this room. Feel this room. Feel our hearts afresh. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, feel our lives afresh. You are welcome. May you inhabit us every moment of our lives. Feel our families, my God. Holy Spirit, we invite you to feel our marriages, our parenting. Oh God, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. You are welcome, have your way. We choose to submit ourselves to you today because you are the only God that is for our good. Every other kind of God wants to manipulate and lead us into bondage. But you're the only God who laid down your life for us while we were still sinners. You loved us before we loved you. You laid down your life before even we came to you. Now if you gave your son, you did not withhold your son but gave him up for us. How won't you along with Jesus give us freedom? Oh God, thank you. You already have given us the ultimate. Surely freedom is ours today in Jesus' name. And everybody say it, amen. 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 Just one more prayer just before we go. You could be in this place and you've not surrendered your heart to Jesus. I said in the beginning, we are all born as sinners in this world. We are broken, all of us. None of us is good. And we can't save ourselves. Not any good thing that we do. God is so perfect. We can never meet His standard. But He's so gracious again that what we were unable to do to save ourselves, He did by sending His Son who came as a man and He died a death that we deserved. And he gives us life when we trust in him. So today, you are here. You are online, on air. I want to invite you to accept the wonderful gift of salvation. Let's bow our heads across this place. If that is you saying, Pastor Eddie, today, I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. It could be your first time. 
could be your 20th time. The most important thing is you acknowledge you need Jesus now. If that is you, lift up your hand. I want to pray for you. Just raise that hand wherever you are. I want to pray for you. Online, just raise that hand. An emoji. Raise that hand. I want to pray for you. Today, you're saying today, I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. God bless you. Raise that hand wherever you are. Young and old. Today is a day for salvation upstairs and the overflow. Online, raise that hand. I'm going to be praying shortly. Is anybody else before I close this service, before we end? Because Jesus loves you. He cares for you. God bless 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 you. God sees your heart. Now, Father, thank you so much because when we cry out to you for salvation, you'll never push us away. You welcome us. In fact, your word says, all is gone. The new has come. And we celebrate that. In Jesus' name I do pray. And everybody say it. A big amen. Come on. Can we celebrate our friends who have said yes to Jesus today? Thank you for listening. We hope this encourages you to step into the new. Tune in next time as we delve into the Word of God. For comments and feedback or counseling, write to connect at watotochurch.com. Hey, hey,